Hey, today's pod episode deals with some heavy topics relating to child abuse and sexual assault. Please do take care while listening. Last March, a 12-year-old boy said that he was assaulted at the Wayne County Juvenile Jail. He reported being physically and sexually abused by other incarcerated children over the course of hours. Staffers didn't intervene until 1.30 a.m. the following day. This incident is horrific. Officials issued a public health emergency within the county, and the states sent monitors to the detention center to oversee conditions. Since March, there has been a lot of change, and in June, the public health emergency was lifted. This week, we also learned that six staffers have been fired from the facility for failing to ensure the 12-year-old child's safety. But there are now new investigations over other incidents of alleged assault, unsanitary conditions, and other claims of medical care violations. Today, we're going to talk about the ongoing crisis within Wayne County's juvenile jails and what's being done about it. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Christine McDonald is an investigative editor for the Detroit Free Press. She's been following and reporting on conditions at the Juvenile Detention Center for months, and she joins us now. Hey, Christine, welcome to Stateside. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Christine, we know that police began investigating what happened to this 12-year-old boy, the alleged sexual assault, back in March of last year. And Dr. Abdul El-Sayed, who's the director of Wayne County's Health, Human, and Veterans Services Bureaus, issued a public health emergency shortly after that. Has there been any progress made since the public health emergency was announced? Well, um, yeah, it's been a a long road since that uh, public health emergency. Um, A lot has happened. And I recently was granted access to the facility and took a tour right before Christmas. So I can talk a little bit about what I saw, but also what I know has happened over those months. So we've had other instances, allegations of assault and sexual assault involving some youth. Um, There's a handful of cases that we've reported on that are, I think, still under investigation some. We know that the county has done a lot of hiring, so they have boosted staffing levels, both regular folks on the ground with kids, the detention specialists, as well as upper management staff. They've really now doubled the amount of directors that are running the facility before. I think they were at three and now they're at six. So the staffing has really changed. They have reduced the number of kids that are at the facility by working with the state, getting kids into other long-term treatment facilities. But a lot of the problems, you know, have continued where, you know, kids, I've sat in court hearings where kids have expressed fear to judges when they're appearing on their court cases that, that they fear they're going to be jumped just as recently as last month. And we know that the county continues to have an issue at this facility with kids being able to kind of game the system and, and, you know, disable the locks on their doors, which creates problems when uh, youth are able to get out of rooms when they're not supposed to. So it's still a lot of challenges, but the facility looks a lot different today than it did when we first started reporting on this. How does it look different? It just in terms of the staffing or do you mean beyond that? Yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, they moved location. That happened a while ago in the fall. They said to improve safety. So they were at such low staffing levels that they 
moved from a facility downtown near Greektown to an old vacant adult jail called the Dickerson facility in Hamtramck. So the location has changed, but there were challenges with that facility, primarily that the facility was a low security adult jail. So there are wooden doors and the kids are able to um, get out of the rooms in some instances. So those were some challenges. So it looks different physically, but also the staffing, yeah, they, they have a ton more people working for them. They basically engaged with a outside company to bring people in on contract. They're trying to hire these people gradually as they're trained, but as county employees, but they've hired a lot of folks through this contractor position as well. And there's fewer kids there. I think as of last week, they were about up 90 plus. They have been as high as 160. Christine, can I ask you a question about that? Sure. When we talked to Abdul Al-Sayed when your reporting uh, was really making a lot of people aware of the situation, one of the things he really emphasized was that the state needed to take a bigger role for housing some of the offenders who were there, depending on what state their case was in. Has that, is, is that some of the change that you're talking about? Yeah, the state has um, come to the table and created quite a bit, three million, I think they gave to one facility uh, called Spectrum in Highland Park to create more beds. And when you talking beds, these are at a facility that are called secure facilities. So there are facilities where kids go that um, are non-secure, but these need to be, uh, with this population, they argue, um, need to be secure facilities where the kids can't walk out the door. So those are the more costly and that facilities like private private companies have gotten out of a lot of that business in Michigan or have been shut down because of you know pro- other similar problems at these facilities. So there hasn't been a lot of open beds where kids can go and get these treatment in a secure facility. So the state did spend $3 million and, and opened up a number of beds there and have worked with other surrounding county uh, facilities to, to, to accept more kids in, the, in Wayne County. So that's a, it's a combination of things. But still, we, the county, Warren Evans, uh, does argue that the state has not done enough to you know, deal with this shortage and that all along, their facility was supposed to be a short-term facility, not where kids languish, you know, for months, which is what's been happening. Right. You've reported that the detention center was first put on a provisional license back in November. Can you explain what that provisional license is? So the state licenses, uh, issues the license for the county. The county runs a facility, but you can get to a third provisional license. And at that point, the state could revoke the license for the facility. So they're at first provisional now because of a series of investigations that found problems, violations in the spring, primarily, a number of uh, just variety of stuff that kids weren't getting basic health safety type things like uh, even toothpaste, things like that, that they're dirty facility feces on the walls, things like that, and issues with kids getting timely health care, primarily, you know, uh, when they got to the facility, they weren't getting health assessments quick enough. There were issues with kids not getting uh, medication they were supposed to be getting. So those are pretty serious violations. And so the state put them on a first provisional. And it could, you know, now that we've had this other, these other investigations come out, we could see further action from the state. So in short, it sounds like the center's kind of on probation in terms of its state license right now. Okay, well, you reported in early December that two nurses were fired for reporting violations to the detention center's medical director. What did they say? 
Um, yeah, they said that there were a number of issues with the basic equipment that they, that wasn't proper equipment. It was even moldy. It's it, it was one of the allegations that kids were getting expired medication. That things were just they described kind of a chaotic and old system. Shortly after they left, the medical director was terminated. You know, I did talk to her, and she refuted a lot of those claims, saying that. Some of this was complicated by that move that I talked about um, when they moved to facility and some of this old equipment was just not being you know, relied on. But these nurses felt that these were uh, you know, dangerous conditions that the kids uh, were dealing with. So, And the county ended up um, terminating her and they have gone now, they say, to a fully electronic system. The nurses complained. One of their complaints was a lot of this was uh, medical records were kept on paper for kids. So now they're saying that they've made these changes, hired a new medical director, and um, put all these records on electronic as, as part of the improvements. We need to take a break. More on the Wayne County Juvenile Jail in a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. The state did send monitors in to oversee the facility, I want to say last March, and they were, were removed briefly in early June. I'm not sure if that had to do with the move. And then got sent back after another incident that we don't, we don't really know what the incident was. You reported this month that one of those state monitors is under investigation? This is getting complicated. Yeah, it is. So the there was always someone since March, except for that small period where they left a couple weeks, I think it was, that, that a state monitor has been on site 24-7. So they, there's different people, but they're rotating out. One of those monitors is under investigation. Uh, no charges have been filed yet, but she's under investigation, connection with the sexual assault of a youth, a 15-year-old. So we have not gotten a ton of details um, except for the fact that we know the Wayne County Sheriff's Department is investigating and they're investigating um, potential charges of, of uh, criminal sexual conduct and child abuse. So we are watching that closely. But that that staffer, according to the state, has been suspended without pay pending this investigation. And uh, so we're just awaiting that to get more details on what, what can happen. But it's really has caused a lot of outrage um, from folks, including the state and the county, who say, you know, pending this investigation, but that they're they're shocked by the allegations. Christine, a lot of what I took away from your coverage, uh, in addition to that incident with the state monitor that we just talked about, is that maybe the staff really isn't in control. Is that an accurate read in your view? I mean, would you say that the staffers who are supposed to be there to, you know, Keep the keep the kids in line and and monitor their safety. That maybe they're not capable of doing that right now. 
hard for me to answer that question, um, uh, given I'm not, you know, out of fairness, uh, I'm not in that center. I don't have that view from the from inside. But I can say that of the folks that I've talked to, just as of last month, I've talked, you know, I've heard from kids in court basically expressing fear and how dangerous the facility still is. We know from even recent investigations, the county itself, that doors blocking are still a problem. I think many of the the changes that they've talked about center around training and that they're trying to get folks trained, uh, particularly on on, um, new ways to restrain kids. The state, you know, highly regulates how um, these employees can restrain kids during emergencies or the center just cho- chose a different uh, method uh, of restraints that they're training everybody on. So a lot has been happening with training and and how employees interact with youth. I guess that's as far as I can can talk to you about what I know is from my reporting, but it's difficult for me to say, to answer your question, since I don't have access. And I, unfortunately, a lot of the employees who are working there are fearful um, for their jobs to, to be able to talk to me on the record. So it's a difficult question to answer, I think. Sure. I do wonder if there's more you can tell us about the physical restraints that seem to be kind of key here. We have seen examples, and I don't want to suggest that this is limited to Wayne County's juvenile detention facility, of young people who were in the care of the state who were injured and even killed because of the manner of their restraint. Like, what what are we talking about when we when we talk about appropriate restraint? Right. Yep. And um, it is only supposed to be used in emergencies. And you can see, you know, if your listeners want to read about that investigation, they can go online and in in our story, the assault of the twelve year old. Um, you can see the challenges that the the facility had at that point with staffing that they didn't have enough staff on duty. That many of them were watching these kids from a control room rather than be inside. A lot of employees have talked to me on background, not to be quoted in the paper, but have talked about the fearful of um, being caught in violation if they were to restrain a kid. And uh, so it's a it's a difficult challenge for the employees, say, because they feel that they you know want to be there to protect kids, but also to um, protect themselves. So it's a, it's a huge challenge. And the county has said that they're switching to this, it's called handle with care uh, technique, and that they've been training folks since uh, September on this new technique that an individual can um, restrain a child in an emergency from behind. We hope to write a, and do some more reporting on this and kind of an, a follow-up story because I do think it's fascinating because of how highly regulated this is. But but you can see in the investigations how one of the violations in the March incident was because two staffers did not enter the pod immediately when they saw this youth being assaulted because they were waiting on supervisors. So they waited about 11 minutes after the supervisors had already gone in to go in. So you can see the challenges here um, because they were out outnumbered by kids and these assaults were happening. So it's a, a difficult very difficult situation. Before you go, Christine, where are we with the initial investigation into the March 14th incident? Yeah. So we are, the state has issued its findings and assessed a number of violations against the facility just for that um, incident. And um, it could result in further license 
problems for the facility, but we don't know that yet. That hasn't happened. We do know that the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office did review the incident and interviewed folks and did not find any criminal wrongdoing by any staff members at the facility, but they backed up kind of the state's findings that there were rule violations. And in in the last, um, the Michigan State Police are still investigating the um, incident itself and no youths have been charged at this point with assault. Christine McDonald is an investigation editor at the Detroit Free Press. You can read her coverage at freep.com. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you. That's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Dare. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganpublic.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Meradian and Lauren Neong. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.